Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, so I'm 40 years old. It's not, I don't think that that's old, but now when I'm saying that there's a television show in the late 80s, um, it just seems like a long time ago. So raise your hand if you remember the show Growing Pains from the late 80s into the early 90s. Well, I used to watch it at my house. Therese used to watch it as well uh, when we were younger. I could say much younger, but younger. Uh, but we both watched the show. I know, you know, for me personally, I liked Mike Weaver uh, the best. Seaver, Seaver. I actually wrote Mike Seaver down. Sorry. Looking at my notes. Sharice <laughs> probably liked him more than. I don't know. No, but he was played by Kirk Cameron. If you know Kirk, he's the one on the right-hand side there. Mike Seaver. But I liked his role. I liked his personality uh, in the show. I think it was around maybe four or five years. It could have been around longer than that. But I liked to watch uh, as he developed in the character and the different individuals that they brought into his life and how he interacted uh, with his parents. One thing I liked the most is, I it was, it was after the show uh, had stopped airing, I found out uh, just through public ministry that he's a very strong Christian. So he would go around and preach the gospel right in the streets. And now he does some things with uh, marriages and relationships and so on. Uh, but just, it was cool to know somebody that you watched from afar on a screen that you never personally met. You watched the character develop and then you actually found out something about his life. Well, several weeks back in April, Sharice and I were able to travel uh, to Florida to be at Carol Volpe's celebration service. If you don't know Carol, uh, that's the wife of Pastor Volpe who pastored here for over 36 years. When we were in the airport coming home, Sharice spotted none other than Kirk Cameron uh, in the line. She's like, She's like, that's Kirk Cameron. I'm going to say hi to him. I'm like, I don't know that that's him. Let's not do that. And <laughs> I was nervous. She was bold. Um, so we, she went up, introduced us to him, and we had the opportunity to talk for, I don't know, maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes in line at Chick-fil-A. Uh, and, um, and we just had conversation with him. And we got to find out, we got to meet one of his sons and got to find out what ministry he was involved in. And he was actually headed to a church that we were just at like two weeks prior for one of our district events. And we just found out what he, you know, what he had been doing, where he was traveling, what his son was up to. And it was just cool to see, like you've watched this person from afar on a screen for all these years. And now you actually, it's like, he's actually alive. He's a real person. He's nice. I got to shake his hand. You got to meet him in the flesh. This was just like the Jews' experience in Bible times. So throughout all of history, they heard about God. And God's nature and God's character was revealed to them through life's situations and through the scriptures that were at least written at the time. And they learned about him and they learned about him and they learned about him. But most of them, unless they had a face-to-face encounter with him like Moses did, unless they had that experience, they were really going off of watching him from afar until Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, we know that many of the Jewish people that they did not believe that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ, the sent one, the anointed one. But the ones who did, I could imagine, I could just imagine how amazing it was. Like, oh my goodness, all these things that I read about, about the father, about the character, about the love, about the compassion, about all this stuff, like, it's you. Like, they could poke him in the cheek. Like, you're really here in the flesh and actually meet him and experience him. And if they actually chose to follow him as their Lord, as their Messiah, as the Christ, the sent one, 
they would have actually have seen the nature of God being walked out in daily life. It's such an amazing thing to think about when you actually see the tie-in between the Old Testament writings that all pointed to Jesus and then Jesus himself showed up in the flesh. Several weeks ago, we learned about a Hebrew word named Yahweh. Yahweh was the personal name for God in the Old Testament. I mentioned it before. It's in the Bible 6,800 times in the Old Testament. That word Yahweh, which is translated into English Lord, means the self-existent eternal God. So when we're seeing that, Lord, Lord, the capital L, capital O-R-D, we know we're saying Yahweh, Lord, self-existent, eternal God. He was Yahweh to the Jewish people who had the relationship with him. So now in the New Testament, the name Jesus is actually closely associated with the God of the Old Testament. That word Jesus, that name Jesus actually means Yahweh is salvation. So when you look at Jesus, that's the Greek uh, transliteration of the name Joshua. So Jesus is the Greek of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So this is like an amazing revelation that no other, no other religion gets to, gets to have this. Every other false religion follows a God that is untouchable, that is distant, that is unrelatable, that you have to try and you have to do all these perfect things and you have to prove yourself to this God and maybe get in and maybe not. And if it's an aggressive false religion, then you have to cut yourself and harm yourself and completely dehumanize yourself to try to prove yourself to the God of, of their religion. But it's completely different with our God. Our God ties in his nature in the Old Testament as Yahweh, the self-existent, eternal God. And then he actually shows up in flesh as Jesus. Yahweh, the Lord, is our salvation. The Lord who saves. It's amazing when you think about that, that he would come in human form, that he would put on flesh and receive the name Jesus for our benefit. God in flesh. So when you think about it, Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a wise teacher. He's not just a good man. He is the son of God. He is equally as divine as God the Father. We have to get this clear in Christian doctrine. Jesus is as equally divine as the Father is in heaven. He and Jesus and God, the Father and the Son are one. They are both equally God. Yet God chose to send his son to the earth for our salvation. So if you see within scripture, uh, Jesus is actually given various names and stuff. And we've gone over uh, a lot of different names over these past 11 or 12 weeks. But we see words, names like Emmanuel, light of the world, great physician, good shepherd, lamb of God, son of God, son of man, a name that he gave himself. Prince of peace, Messiah, the Christ, the word, the cornerstone, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, bright morning star, King of kings, Lord of lords. We talked about the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and there's many, many more. All of these names, all of the way that Jesus manifested and demonstrated his life and his love, all started with the love that the Father had for us. So we know the mo one of the most popular verses that, that people would know is in John three sixteen. but if you actually follow those verses out just a little bit more, it all comes back to his name. 
In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We know this verse, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Some of your Bibles might say everlasting life. It says, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Why are they condemned? Because they have not believed what? In the name of God's one and only son. So we know the verse. We know that God sent his son into the world so that we may believe, right? God's not saying, hey, look up here at heaven. I, I need you to attain to a higher position. He flipped it on us. Instead of us trying to get higher and higher, he actually came to us. He broke through all that spiritual realm and came in the flesh. And he did that to redeem mankind, that we would have eternal life. We talked about going to battle last week and being in spiritual warfare. Listen, Jesus is the greatest warrior of all time. We have to realize this. When we think of Jesus, we think of like New Testament. No, it all started back in the Garden of Eden when there was spiritual warfare and the serpent lied to man and woman and deceived them and they lost. They gave up their dominion that the Father, God in heaven, wanted them to have over the earth. Do you understand that? All of this sin, all of this corruption was not God's idea. This isn't a little game he has us playing for the 80, 90 years that we're on this earth. His intention was to put man and woman on the earth that they would reproduce, they would follow him and walk with him all the days of their life. They would tend and have dominion over the animals, the birds, the fish, the, the, the I already said the fish, or air, air, yes, all that stuff. <laughs> over the garden. And what, what happens is this, they have more kids, so they need to expand the garden. They have more kids, they need more food, they expand the garden until what covers the earth? His glory. That was God's intention for us, to follow him. But we talked about the devil, Lucifer, who was kicked out of heaven last week. So he comes and deceives man and woman. And they listened to him, the deceiver. And because of that, all of mankind lost the dominion that God wanted us to have. So when, when we're reading Bible verses like this, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We have to understand the perishing part is real. The perishing part is real for people who will stand condemned because why? They didn't believe in the name of Jesus, God's one and only son. What's so important about believing in the name? Go back to the meaning of the name. The Lord saves, the Lord saves. So this is real. Heaven and hell is real. It's not just heaven, folks. Hell's real. The new Jerusalem is real and the lake of fire is real. There's a real devil and he wants you there. He wants to rip you out of the kingdom of God. He wants to snatch your life away from you. That's why the father found it important enough to not just call down from heaven, but to send himself, God, in a body to save us. So it does have a good ending for people that believe in the name. It is a glorious, it is a glorious story of salvation and redemption. But the other side of it is real. Sometimes when we don't think of the other side of it, we take all of the forgiveness that we have for granted. So we've been saved from the pit of hell. 
And we've been saved unto the kingdom of God. Adopted into the family of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So let's talk about the name and how the name was revealed to Joseph and Mary. Matthew chapter one, verses 19, it says this. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. This was happening because the angel shows up and tells Mary, hey, you're pregnant. And Joseph's like, I don't know how this happened. This is gonna be a public disgrace. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus, right? The Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Because he will save his people from their sins. See, what you might not know is Jesus was a common name at this time. So other boys and other men in the streets of Jerusalem would have had this name. But it was special enough to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that when this angel was delivering the message, he didn't want to leave any doubt in Joseph's mind. So he's not just saying, hey, listen, the father said you're supposed to name him Jesus. He's saying you are to name him Jesus because of a very specific reason. He's going to save not just all people, his people. Why? Because Jesus was there at creation, right? We are all birthed into this world with the hope that we will one day be adopted into the kingdom of God. So the purpose here of explaining it is the angel saying, it's not, his name's not just the common name of Jesus. We're pulling out, we're extracting the name that is being declared over him and the meaning of it, meaning the Lord saves. Yahweh is salvation. So every time, can you imagine every time Joseph and Mary called the name? It was different than any other, if there were 300 Jesuses in the area at that time, it was different when Joseph and Mary said, hey Jesus, it's time for dinner. Hey Jesus, you wanna go outside and play? Hey Jesus, Right? You know, he lived a real life as a kid. He grew up. He had fun. He had parents, brothers, sisters, right? He interacted with people. He wasn't created just at the year 30 for those three and a half years. Every time these parents called out his name, they're thinking, his name is Jesus. He was sent to save his people. It goes on to say, all this took place to fulfill the Lord, what the Lord said through the prophet. Verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to the son and he gave him the name Jesus. So not only was he called the Lord save, the Lord saves, but he's also called God with us. Isn't that amazing? So we have Yahweh, the self-eternal or the self-existent eternal God, Then we have Jesus brings in who saves us. And now we have Emmanuel who is with us. So you put this together. This is the self-existent eternal God who saves us by coming to be with us. This is what he chose to do. This was his plan. Author Ann Spangler says this, Jesus Christ, who is God bending toward us, God becoming one of us, God reaching out of his mercy, in his mercy, God humbling himself, God nailed to a cross, God rising up from the grave to show us the way home. Jesus, the name above all names, beautiful savior, glorious Lord. When I, when I do, when I think of this, and I was thinking about this this past week, like that is one of the most amazing revelations is that Jesus is as fully divine as the Father is. 
In Hebrews 1, verse 3, it says that the sun, talking about Jesus, not the bright sun, S-O-N. So Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So just look at that first phrase there. Jesus is, he's not like it. He is the radiance of all of God's glory. And he's not just the similar representation. He is the exact representation of the Father's being. It says sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he has provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty, who is the Father in heaven. So he became, Jesus became, as much superior to the angels as the name, as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So I just want you to think this through. Jesus is the actual physical and spiritual radiance of the glory of the Father. So if you think of the natural sun, S-U-N, right? The big star in the sky. If you think of the Father in heaven as being the actual star, and then all of the heat, all of the light, and all of the energy radiating from that sun being Jesus. That's what it's trying to say. Everything that emanates from the Father is Jesus. Now, if you know a little bit of science, you know you can't separate the light, the energy, and the heat from the sun itself. It is the sun being radiated from itself. And that's what's happening with Jesus. It is God, the divine God, being radiated from himself in the form of Jesus Christ. So if you think about his life, you think about how he interacted with people. You think about how he loved people, how he showed compassion with people. We would have thought it would have been much more majestic, probably, much more kingly, right? But when he shows up, he shows us a lifestyle that is completely different than what we would have thought. Instead of exalting himself, he humbled himself. Instead of demanding power and demanding this and demanding attention, he served us. He served humanity to the point where he gave himself the name, the son of man. This phrase, uh, several years back, the exact representation of his being changed, it changed my life when I saw this. Because when I used to look at God in the Old Testament, and I looked at Jesus in the New Testament, I was confused of what God would do. I saw these things and this punishment happening in the Old Testament. I didn't understand that it was a different relationship, a different era, different covenants that God was in. And then when I saw this phrase, that Jesus is the exact representation of his being, it brought a whole new light to me because now what I could do is if I wanna know what God wants to do in my life and won't do in my life, I look at the life of Jesus and see what he did. So then I would start to ask myself the questions because being a pastor, you will hear things certain times like this individual got in a car accident and after the person gets in the car accident, you'll hear, well, God did this to me to teach me a lesson. All right, my, my air conditioning and my furnace, they went out because uh, they, they must've gone out be, to get my attention because I wasn't following God at that moment in my life. But I never saw Jesus. I don't see Jesus in scripture walking along the road and then pushing somebody into the line of a chariot that comes by to teach them a lesson. <laughs> Y'all laugh, but those thoughts run through your head when something bad happens. Oh, is God doing this to me to teach me, to get my attention? I never once saw Jesus give somebody an illness in scripture so that they would come close to him. Never once. Look through your scriptures. I never once saw it. So then that's when I started to learn, okay, God was in a different covenant with his people. 
There was an actual covenant of blessings and cursings that had to operate as they broke the covenant. But now that we're in Christ Jesus, we're incapable of breaking a covenant. The covenant's between the Father and the Son. Does this make sense? If the covenant is between the Father and the Son, will the Son ever break covenant with the Father? Will Jesus ever be able to break covenant with God? No. We are in the covenant because we're in Christ. So now I look at these things, okay. Well, did Jesus ever give somebody a disease so that they could witness to a nurse or a doctor? Can we go into the hospitals and ask for, to have coffee with a nurse or a doctor and witness to them in a healthy way? Yeah, absolutely. So I never, saw Jesus, I never saw Jesus bring calamity to somebody's life so they would turn back to him. What happens is God takes your life circumstance and because he never leaves you, because he never forsakes you, he takes you in that illness and in that sickness and he says, you're in this situation and this nurse needs ministry. Minister to her right? You're injured in in a freak accident or something, and now you're on your back and you can't go to work and you're as busy as ever, but now you can't do anything. Now that you can't do anything, you start reading your Bible more and you start listening to podcasts and worshiping more. And at the end of this, you're like, I am so much closer to God now than I was before this accident. That doesn't mean you have to blame the accident on God. You say, God, thank you for winning in my life through this horrible situation. Thank you that even though tragedy has struck, you're having me come out stronger than I was before. And I learned all of that by that one phrase. If I wanna know what the nature of God is like, if I wanna know how God interacts with me, I just have to look to the life of Jesus. How did he interact with people? How did he deal with people and life situations? He's the exact representation of the Father. And it says that because he purified our sins, I know the Father wants to do that in everybody's life. Jesus came to wipe clean every sin that we've ever committed. Every mistake, every act of rebellion, every stupid decision we've done, Jesus has come to purify us from that all. Like even though, even when we know we don't deserve it, we feel like we don't deserve it, we can't take back what the Father has chosen to do. We can't reverse the course of Jesus. He's done this for us already. What we need to do is lean into his arms once again. Whether it is for forgiveness, whether it's for healing, whether it's for that, just that feeling of acceptance, whatever it is, it's all wrapped up in the name of Jesus. And it even says here that he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs because his name is the name above every other name. In fact, in Acts chapter four, verse 12, it says, salvation is found in no one else. Why? Why cannot be found in anyone else? Well, the next phrase says, for there is no other name under heaven, given to mankind, which by which we must be saved. Again, God sent Jesus, but in that name, Jesus was Yahweh of salvation, the Lord saves. So it's in that name by which we are saved. And it's only by that name that we can come and be at peace with God. That word saved, a lot of times people think that that word saved just means the forgiveness of sins. It is for the purification of sins. If you look back, that word, the original language is sozo, S-O-Z-O. The fullness of that is to save, deliver, protect, heal, preserve, and to be made whole. 
So when we think about it, it's not just to scrape by, just to get into heaven by the skin of our teeth. The power of the name of Jesus came to this earth, disrupted this earth in order that we can experience salvation, wholeness, deliverance, forgiveness, healing, protection. That's all wrapped up in the name of Jesus. So this is your savior. Philippians 2, 5, I'll I'll close here and then we're gonna watch a video. This is your savior. This is God in a body, his lifestyle set before us for us to live a similar lifestyle. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You know what the scripture means? He is absolutely equal with God. Yet when he walked this earth, he walked it as a servant. We say, well, why would he do something different than God? He didn't. This is this mindset of God. He didn't come out of heaven and say, hey, God, I'm gonna be different now. This is the mindset. This is the heart of God for us. When he showed up in flesh, he manifested. He demonstrated a lifestyle so that we could follow that. So we would, say, we would actually say, well, we should not look at something as our position, our paycheck, our status in society as something to even attain. We don't want to use those things to our advantage. We want to go low and humble ourselves and follow God. So it says, rather, he made himself nothing. See, you can't picture just the person of Jesus in these verses. You have to picture God in the flesh making himself nothing for our benefit. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And what did he do? He gave him the name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This here is spiritual warfare. This is Jesus. This is God coming in flesh to redeem mankind, to rip the keys of death and Hades out of the hand of Satan and to gain back the dominion that the Father once wanted for us. This is a battle and it's real and he wins. And when we're found in him, we win. We win. You are, the Bible says you're one with Christ. You're hidden in Christ when you receive him as Lord and Savior. So we're hidden in the one that has the name above every other name. So he walks the earth with the name Jesus, but yet it says the Father gave him the name that is above every other name. Out of the hundreds of Jesuses that were walking the streets, only our Jesus got the name that is above every other name. And it's at that name that at one point in all of eternity, every single knee is going to bow. Every single tongue is going to say, you are Christ the Lord. And what we know from his word is the opportunity that we have 
to be with him in the new Jerusalem for all of eternity. We must bow that knee and we must confess this mouth while we still have breath in our lungs. We don't get the chance when this life is over to bow our knee and say, oh God, I'm sorry that I messed up all these years. I'm sorry I rebelled against you. I'm sorry I was prideful. I'm sorry I just wanted it my way. It's now, folks. It's now. While we have breath in our lungs on this earth, this is the opportunity that we have to bow our knee and confess with our mouth, you are Jesus Christ. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. You are the only one that can save my sins. As you're considering that in your life, and maybe you've never made a decision for Jesus, and maybe you just need to draw back to him, or maybe you just need to believe in him more today, right? Maybe you've given your life to Jesus and you're following him and you say, wow, there is so much power in the name of Jesus. Next week, actually, we're gonna talk about praying in the name of Jesus, making declarations in the name of Jesus. We're gonna continue to go to war until we're seeing victory after victory in this church family, amen? I want you to watch this video. We've watched it at least three times in the 14 years that I've been here, but it's just an amazing depiction of an older uh, uh, preacher uh, that really, really just encapsulates who Jesus is as the king of all kings. And then we'll close. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-trained of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him. So yes, he's in the
Father, we thank you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. Thank you. Lift up your voice to him today. God, you are the king. You are the king. You are the king. You are our savior. You are the merciful one and the graceful one. We thank you, Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus today. We worship the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. Jesus, we just pray, Father, over this church family today. God, we ask, Father, that you would come in that power in the name of Jesus and that you would touch lives around this sanctuary. Every single need. We could call out a million needs that we have as human beings in our body, in our soul, in our spirit. We could stay, God, all the way through tonight, calling out needs. But we declare over every need that we could ever imagine that you are the name above every name. You are the name that is more powerful than any need, than any sickness, than any damage that we face. You are more powerful than injury, depression, and loneliness. You are more powerful than self-harm. You are more powerful than lostness. You are the name that is above every other name. You are Jesus. You are Jesus. You are Jesus. In fact, we, we do. We spend so much time. I want you to just to stay in an attitude of worship. We spend so much time confessing our problems. It's crazy. We like speak these things over ourselves, right? I'm dumb. I'm always going to be late. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm sick. I'm lost. I'm depressed. I'm hurting. Those things are all very true, but Jesus is more true. Jesus is more powerful. So what I want you to do, I don't want you to confess your problem today. I want, I want you just to ask the Lord, what am I facing? What are the issues in which I feel weak, insignificant, where I feel like I don't have enough power, which that's the best place to be, is to know you don't have enough power to handle the problem on your own. And when those things are coming into your head, we're just gonna take a few, few moments here. When those things are entering into your head, I don't want you to speak them. I want you to speak the name Jesus. This isn't some weird chant. This is not some weird chant. This is you calling out the name that is above every other name. This is not a religious activity. This is you saying, 
I'm thinking of something in which I lack. I'm thinking of something in which I struggle. And instead of allowing that thing to have more power in my life, I'm saying the name that is above every other name. You're saying Yahweh is salvation, the Lord who saves. What you're doing when you're calling upon that name of Jesus, because he's the only one that can save, it's only through his name. And now you can start thinking, okay, Jesus saves. Jesus is God and he saves. What does save mean? Oh, I remember that word sozo. That means to save, to heal, to deliver, to protect, to make whole. That's what the name of Jesus does in our lives. I want you to realize this. You may have heard messages like this. You may have said, listen, I've read these things, but I I don't actually experience it. Will you do me a favor? Will you press in with me over this next week then? Will you start to read through the red words? If you have a red letter Bible, if not, get on the Bible app, get one that has red letters. Start reading the words of Jesus. Take this week to dive into the gospels and see what Jesus actually did. Reread even how he was born until we actually begin to experience in our life. I don't want this to remain a doctrine. This can't just remain a doctrine. It can't remain a paragraph on a page. That's not why he came. He came that we would actually experience the manifest power of the name of Jesus in our life, the transforming power. Will you please agree with me with that? We can't be a church that just has a bunch of lists of things that we believe. That belief should create faith until we actually experience it and walk in it. And somebody says, how in the world are you living like this? And you look to him and you say, it's because of Jesus. And it's not a Christian cliche anymore. It's actually real. I was broken, hurting, lost, distraught, whatever that is. And he actually brought me out of it. How did you get changed? How are you transformed? Why can you smile in the midst of all this tragedy? And you can look at them and not feel like you're witnessing You don't have to put on a new hat and ask for boldness. Because you already experienced it, you could say, listen, it's actually because of Jesus. Can I tell you about him? Listen, do you know how much easier evangelism would be if we let Jesus transform our life first? That we don't have to think of a four-point sermon we're gonna present to somebody while we're miserable ourselves. Life is real. We will suffer at times. We will go through dark seasons at times. I'm not, I'm not excluding that. What I'm saying is, as we allow Jesus to transform us and walk through life with us, we become the message to other people's lives. And now you no longer have to say, well, I witnessed sometimes, or I witnessed three years ago. I never witnessed. I'm not really an evangelist. No, you're a transformed life or a life that's being transformed in process. We're all in process. And you can actually say to somebody, Jesus did this thing in my life. Father, I pray that you do that. Would you, would you encounter us, Lord? Would you encounter us with the raw power that Jesus brought while he was on earth? That power when he says, I am, when he answered those, the, those soldiers and he says, I am, and they all fell back because of the power that came out of his mouth. When the woman with the issue of blood reached out and just touched his garment and he said, I felt power come out of me. Father, I pray that we would experience that in our own lives, in our private times with you, in our prayer times with you, when we're driving to work, even in the midst of a difficult situation, maybe even at work, wherever it is, God, that we would experience 
ongoing transformation. And we choose today to remember this moment that it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of that name that you were given, the matchless name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to close yourself off with the Lord right before we close today. Is there anybody in this room that does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior that wants to make that decision today? Anyone in this room, this is a heaven and hell decision. Anyone in this room that doesn't know Jesus as Lord, you've never called upon the name of the Lord and you want to, I want you just to raise your hand and look up at me so I can acknowledge you. We want to minister to you after service. Anyone at all in this room? I'll be excited knowing that you're all comfortable, that you have a relationship too. Fine with me. All right, so Father, as we go from here today, strengthen us. Give us that courage and that boldness to stand in the midst of a battle. We know that we have the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords on our side. And not just on our side, we're hidden in you. Let us experience that this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.